millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis. On the show, we unpack the truth and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you have come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Joint Action Podcast. Today we have the privilege of chatting to someone with osteoarthritis. It's so important to hear from patients that are out there, people that have osteoarthritis, their experience, rather than necessarily just the ivory tower professor waffling on about the osteoarthritis experience. One really important and common misconception about osteoarthritis is that it's an old person's disease. However, we, we know that it can commonly affect younger people as well. And on this week's episode of Joint Action, we'll hear from Megan and her journey with osteoarthritis and in particular weight loss. Now, oftentimes osteoarthritis is described as old knees in a young person. And that's definitely, to some extent, what we're talking about here with Megan, who's someone who's experienced a joint injury, playing sport and a sport that she continues to love at a relatively young age and the consequences of that injury later in life. But I think the more important message that we're going to get from Megan is that about the importance of continuing to pursue and be positive about uh, the experience of osteoarthritis and what you can continue to do, despite oftentimes a disheartening diagnosis. I guess firstly, by way of introduction, Megan Nixon is a martial artist and she's practiced karate for over 20 years and has competed both nationally and internationally representing Australia. Her career highlights include a silver medal at the 2012 at the Shotokan Karate World Championships in Sydney, 
and also captaining the Australian team at two world championships. Megan's played a variety of competitive sports that include soccer, baseball, and most recently, three seasons in the Sydney Women's Australian Football League competition. Throughout her career, Megan's experienced a range of injuries and musculoskeletal issues, including gluteal tendon problems, hip and ankle instability, malalignment of a knee, as well as having a reconstruction of her cruciate ligament, a shoulder reconstruction, and a knee arthroscopy. Hi, Megan, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's absolutely a pleasure, and it's so important, I think, for people who are out there who have osteoarthritis to actually hear from people who have the disease rather than these crusty, gray-haired old professors. Now, before we get into the main content of the show, in an effort for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? No worries. So I'm 38 years old. I was um, born and raised in Sydney. Uh, growing up, I played baseball from about age five until I was told girls don't play baseball anymore when I got to about 12. So I uh, decided to take up karate. So I did that for a few years. And then I went back to that when I started uni. So about 20 years ago, I was also pretty keen on playing soccer and other sports sort of growing up. So yeah, I wasn't really into Barbie dolls and, and the like. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Do you still follow baseball? I do, yeah. I, uh, I'm a bit of a Dodgers fan and I um, yeah, coached uh, Little League Baseball for the last five years, so that was pretty cool with, uh, with some little champions over at, over at Concord. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, no, we, uh, we got into baseball as a family when we lived in Boston for a number of years and so still massive Red Sox fans, but don't, don't get to play the Dodgers because they're in the opposite league so much. But for, for the karate, I think, as you know, our daughter does a lot of that, but what inspired you to get into karate in the first place? Oh, my brother and I got into it probably, yeah, when I was a kid. My my mum had done judo and jiu-jitsu when she was young. Um, and then I think like every other kid growing up in the 80s, yeah, the karate kid was was probably a big influence. So it sounds like you're getting back into whatever that remake is called. What did you call it? Cobra Kai, yeah. Yeah. And I have to get my daughter into that. But before I digress too much, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do professionally? Yep. So I'm a national account manager for a large consumer healthcare company. So um, I work on a major supermarket account focusing on like oral care and vitamins category. So I essentially focus on managing the relationship between the the two companies and ensuring that that both businesses achieve uh, mutual growth together. So keeps me entertained. Definitely. Sounds like, sounds like a fascinating job. Now, when you're not doing your day job, what do you like to do? Right. So I like to keep pretty busy. So I enjoy doing karate training. That's probably three to four times a week. And um, yeah, the social aspects that really go with that as well. So the the post-training coffee and finding the best ramen in Sydney. I've also done a fair bit of traveling with those guys to to train and and compete around um, Australia and overseas. I've also recently started taking a bit of a boxing class with one of the, the karate instructors. So um, that's been really cool, having a bit of a bit of a hit out and being a, a total novice at something. Yeah, so uh, so that's been pretty good. And the other thing I, I sort of do to keep myself busy is uh, taking up bike riding on, on your advice. So uh, with some mates from from Karate Weather Shotokan Riders, and we've uh, done the, the MS Sydney to the Gong Ride three times and have raised a bunch of cash. So sort of ride around Centennial Park. And it's also about the coffee as well, I think, more so than the bike riding. <laughs> So you're one of these people that we regularly see sitting in your lycra outside a cafe? 
Yeah, uh, well, just just the spruce goose at uh, Centennial Park seems to be the, the main hangout. So. <laughs> For the karate itself, you mentioned that you go overseas occasionally. What's your favourite destination? That'd be Japan, hands down. So yeah, I, I first went there on a uh, on a homestay when I was about um, yeah nineteen or so. Um, I've been eight times since, so been over there for karate competitions, training seminars, and a couple of years ago I went over to my host sister's wedding, which was pretty cool. So she was fourteen when I met her, and uh, yeah, she's now just had a baby and stuff. So yeah, to go to a Japanese wedding was was pretty amazing too. Oh, sounds superb. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful sport and I think there's so much uh, other activity that goes on around it, which sounds so inspiring. Now, obviously, the main content of the day is really to also get to know um, a little bit about your experience with this disease, osteoarthritis. How did you first come to develop osteoarthritis? So growing up, I um, recall badly spraining one of my ankles when I was playing under six soccer. Um, and then I remember that happened a couple a couple more times. So it probably wasn't until, yeah, I think it was like my late 20s, early 30s. I'd, I'd been over to Montreal for a, a karate competition and just all the, the walking around in, in New York, my, my ankle looked like it had a baseball in it. So probably wasn't eating the healthiest diet over there at the time either, you know, fried chicken and waffles, whatever you can find. But yeah, it was sort of the the time for me to to actually then look into it and, and understand what was causing, yeah, such a, a crazy yeah, inflammatory response. So yeah, I went to a knee surgeon I'd, I'd seen who also looks after, um, yeah, like the Sydney Swans and, and arthroscopes for ankles and knees. And he just said, look, this doesn't look like an injury. And uh yeah, uh, ordered some blood tests and, and gave me a referral to, to see you. And then it was all quite surprising. I, I didn't think, yeah, young people got osteoarthritis. So that was a, a bit of a disappointing conversation I remember having with you. Yeah. So how long had you had symptoms before you were actually diagnosed? Yeah, so it was probably about a year and a half. I'd had sort of three really bad um, attacks of inflammation. So just yeah, waking up in the morning and not really being able to walk and thinking, yeah, this is a bit weird because there'd been no actual injury. Like it's not like something had happened and then then I'd had this inflammation. So there'd been a golf day I'd been to and another time I was in Melbourne, we were doing this amazing race with work. So there'd probably just been more walking on it or something, but there was no actual trauma and the, the inflammation was just kind of crazy. So yeah, growing up, I always had sort of that weak ankle and would sort of roll it every now and again, you know, even going on holidays, I, I generally will do some sort of little, little ankle roll, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, mainly thinking, tracing it back. It, it's, it's probably from, from that really early instances of spraining it badly. Yeah. And so looking back, what age were you when you probably first started noticing symptoms that would broadly consistent with the, the disease of osteoarthritis yeah i'd say it was about 28 yeah with with that ankle one and then um the, the knee that was that was only a couple of years ago so yeah sort of like late late 2019 yeah and you know whilst injury prevention and osteoarthritis is a relatively new concept at any point in time while you were really active playing sport you know whether it be karate baseball soccer australian football did anybody ever talk to you about opportunities to prevent injury? Not really. It was um, it was quite funny with with my knee when I had my ACL done. I, I remember having a conversation with the surgeon, and the sort of discussion was like, "Well, if you don't get the ACL reconstruction done, you've got an increased risk of getting arthritis when you're older." Well, instead, I, it was the the flip side. I ended up getting it when I was younger. 
So yeah, it was never really, never really discussed at all. Um, yeah, it was just in my mind, something that old people get. So yeah, having listened to the podcast and, and hearing about injury prevention and, and, you know, how surgery can also lead to a, an increased risk. Kind of wish I had have known about some of those things at a younger age. Um, Cause yeah, it wasn't even something that was on my, um, on my radar that, that I could have that or that could be, you know, why I've even, even when I had it in my ankle, I was surprised to find out about the diagnosis in my knee when it had also had a, a big sort of, yeah, attack of inflammation too. Yeah. And uh, I guess for the listeners out there, the ACL or the cruciate ligament, there's a wonderful episode that we did with Tim Hewitt last year, where we talk about the impact of injury and the opportunities there for prevention. So for those of you that are interested, please, please go back and look at that. So now, Megan, you've had osteoarthritis and you've had symptoms now for a number of years. What have you found that works for you? And you, I mean, obviously you still remain an incredibly active person. And I guess I really want that message to come across, but what have you found that, that works for you? So I started off doing, there was this osteoarthritis joint health program I did um, twice a week at a private hospital in Sydney. So that was that was for six weeks. I did that twice a week and, and it had a, a gym session supervised by a physio and, and a hydrotherapy session, which look, I thought that was also going to be sort of just for old people, but they really ensured that that was you know, scaled up to my sort of uh, activity level. And, and that was actually quite challenging. So I've um, continued to do that gym session once a week. And um, yeah, it's really sort of tailored to my needs, but ensuring, you know, firstly, that you actually do the exercises you need to do to, to really strengthen, you know, all the muscles and things around around your knee and, and also the knock-on effect, understanding that your whole body's connected. So yeah, working on your glutes. And for me, um, hip mobility has been something I've been sort of trying to focus on, yeah, the last couple of months, because I think there's knock-on effects there. I also, yeah, make sure I exercise regularly. So for me, I found where I have the most issues is where I'm inactive and then go to do a, a bunch of stuff. So when I worked out, I had OA in my knee. It was after going from probably doing, you know, three hours of karate a week to five hours a day up in um, Rockhampton at a karate seminar. Um, I'm pretty sure you told me I needed to use my brain next time I decided to do things like that. And it would have been, been more subtle than that, wasn't it? I think you were tapping your forehead, uh, and <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then I was like, "Oh, what did he? What did he actually say?" But uh, yeah, just making sure that yeah, you don't do like go from zero to hero. And that's sometimes I'm a bit a bull at a gate with with certain things. So yeah, for me, I found yeah, doing more karate was actually beneficial. So I'm probably training doing karate yeah three to four times a week. Um, I've got that boxing class. I do the physio class, and then I started walking as well probably, yeah, four to five times a week for, for the last eight months. So, um, yeah, listening to the podcast and yeah, I think you interviewed Steve Messier and um, he was talking about the benefits of walking and aiming for 6,000 steps a day, not 10,000, and just sort of getting out and, and making sure that that knee sort of step keeps moving. Same with the ankle. They can just really stiffen up working from home during COVID. I think, you know, we weren't really getting out as much as we we normally would be. So, um, yeah, just just keeping things moving. Um, and then there were just the basic things. So, you know, making sure you've got good sport shoes um, after seeing you, you weren't happy with the orthotics I had. So straight away, I went and got some new orthotics. I got a, a knee brace, the unloaded knee brace. So I found that's been really good as well, as well as you know, other sorts of things like making sure you've, you've got a, a fairly healthy diet. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I think just recounting that experience is so, so, so valuable that there's not necessarily one trick that's going to fit all. And I think it needs to be definitely tailored to the individual. And a large proportion of this is also just learning what your uh, knee can tolerate and, and making sure that you understand that the knee oftentimes, as you've described, Megan, benefits from activity. And the longer you sit and the more sedentary you become, uh, the stiffer and oftentimes more painful it can be. But by the same token, introducing activity that your knee is not necessarily accustomed to, it's just important you do that gradually over time. And as you, I guess, described it, not going from zero to hero, but understanding that the knee can tolerate still a reasonable amount of load. It just needs to uh, learn to adjust for that and potentially accommodate for that. Now, one of the things you mentioned in there was getting some weight off. And you mentioned that um, you listened to the podcast with Steve Messier and that may have stimulated that activity. So, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned during that segment was that you lost weight. How did, how did you go about doing that and how long did it take? Um, it took me about yeah three months to um, to lose eleven and a half kilos. So that was that was pretty positive. I sort of followed a low calorie diet. So I, I signed up for the Healthy Weight for Life program, which was um, was really good. They provide you with some some guidance and and whatnot, and and you sort of check in with them once a week as to how you're going. That, yeah, in terms of exercise, I just continued the, the current regime of, of what I was doing, however, implemented that daily walk. So I found um, that really made quite a difference. And yeah, just, just in terms of the, the diet, sort of the first six weeks was was probably, yeah, sort of more strict. I sort of cut out the lattes, no ramen. I made sure I told my friends and family about it as well. So the temptation sort of wasn't there or they understood why I didn't want to go out for for ramen and maybe a healthy Vietnamese salad might be a better a better idea. So yeah, basically, yeah, the the morning and and lunch, um, yeah, you'd you'd have a shake and yeah, like berries or whatever for breakfast, a salad at lunch, and then just really maintaining just a healthy dinner. So yeah, you uh you just sort of cut out the cut out the the junk and use the My Fitness Pal app a little bit as well, just to have a bit of an understanding of what you're actually doing. But um, yeah, it was. I didn't really find it too too difficult. It was just about getting moving more and, and just that awareness of, of what you're doing. And I, I really see that there's a, a, quite a benefit in having that, just that time frame and going, right, I'm going to do this, get it done with. And I think people get sick of diets and, and things and it sort of sets them up for, for failure. I think um, sometimes doing these unachievable things for a long period of time. And obviously this is your personal experience and anecdotal, but what difference did that weight loss make to your symptoms? Yeah, so for me, I found it, it's been uh, a lot easier to, to move around at, at karate and things. So my legs are feeling a lot lighter. From, from the podcast, they talked about, you know, one kilo of, of weight on the knee equating to, to four kilos um, of sort of extra extra pressure there. So every time I go for a walk, I'd be thinking, oh, I've lost three kilos, I've lost four kilos. So to think that I've reduced the the, the, the pressure on my knee by like 45 kilos is, um, is, is pretty awesome. So, yeah, just yeah, feel better. And, and um, yeah, just I think I have a lot more energy as well, but it's also great to be able to fit back into your old genes too. So. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great story to recount. And I think it's so important for people to understand that it does, does make a dramatic difference. And has it been something you've been able to maintain reasonably simply with regards dietary change and, and integration into your life? Yeah. So yeah, after completing the the sort of first sort of two two phases the the next phase was about maintenance so 
Um, that was then coming into Christmas. So things like, you know, ensuring that you're doing your your meal planning for the week, I, I sort of found that to be really beneficial and something that I've, I've kept up. Um, and, you know, if you're going out for dinner or whatever, don't go nuts on, on other on other things that day. Yeah, I, I generally don't drink alcohol. Um, I, I, you know, have a, a fairly low sugar diet. And if I am going to have some sort of treat, it better be awesome to be worth those calories. So I think it's just that that mindfulness and I think even some recipes and things that I like to cook I've put them into my fitness pal and just to have the awareness of you know what's that cake worth in terms of, of calories and things like that is just sort of good to know so I don't I don't go around counting calories and, and things per se but it's just that awareness of, of having that balanced plate I guess and I really love you know eating veggies and, and things like that so making sure you're loading your plate with those sorts of things I've, I've found to be really really sort of helpful helpful things so um yeah I um I definitely love food and consider myself a bit of a foodie so um yeah it's just just around you know balance and and um yeah making sure that it's the old you know uh energy in energy out no, it's really, really helpful. And I think uh, your experience and success hopefully will be inspirational to others. And for those people out there who are looking for a little bit more information about diet and weight loss and the impact it can have on osteoarthritis, there's a couple of older episodes. Again, one that we did with uh, Steve Messier, more looking at the evidence around diet and exercise and the importance of weight loss for symptom control and osteoarthritis. And another one uh, that's a little bit more practical with uh, Rosie Verman, a dietitian, about strategies that people can use to to get that weight off. So I think your your personal experience here, um, uh, Megan, has been so so helpful. I think for a lot of people, hopefully, who are out there listening to this. But is there any one piece of advice uh, that you'd like to give to people with osteoarthritis, particularly young people like yourself? What would you actually say to them? So look, I think people need to have a can-do attitude. So focus on what you can control, not what what you can't. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's a big piece. Also, I think it's really important to keep active and follow your passion. So you might need to change some things, but don't don't quit what you love. And and I know I sort of did that a little bit. Um, yeah, taking a bit of a back step from from karate, but. Actually, I, I love it and it's the social aspects that, you know, sport can really provide you. So don't cut off those, those networks. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd probably say is to make sure you find a, a good team of experts and, and people who you subscribe to, to their philosophy. So finding, you know, the right, you know, doctor, physio and whatnot, because you're going to see them. So you, um, you want to ensure that you're taking their advice and, and actually listening to them and, and making sure you've got a bunch of questions and, and things going in when you, when you see those people to, uh, to get the, the most out of that opportunity. And um, yeah, lastly, I would probably just say, look, reframe the diagnosis. It's, it's not an old, old people's thing. You aren't falling apart. Your joints aren't crumbly. There's, there's just this real negative perception about arthritis. Even, you know, people think the pain and inflammation are making it worse. Like those just myth bust those things and learn as much as you can about it. And I found listening to the podcast when I go out for a walk or, or whatnot, I've learned so much more about it. So sort of, yeah, lean into it rather than, um, yeah, be, be scared about it. Yeah, such great wisdom from someone so young, Megan, and uh, sagely advice, particularly the elements there about, you know, leaning into it, being positive, and uh, making the most out of the fact that you can continue to do most of the things that you otherwise love and enjoy. It's such, such an important perspective. And I, I think for many people out there who are potentially are getting disheartened, dispirited, uh, isolated uh, from this diagnosis, 
uh, hopefully it gives them some some solace and some words to act upon. Now, Megan, any final words uh, that you'd like to pass on or uh, any any little bits of tidbit that we didn't really cover that you'd like to convey? Yeah, I just I just think people um, yeah should should really uh, yeah just get on board and take charge of their their condition and yeah just use the resources that are around. So this this podcast I think has been been fantastic. That um, pod, the episode you mentioned about uh, Rosie as well like, that was fantastic. It all sort of aligns. I think yeah you've really gotten a, a great great group of of people on there who subscribe to your your sort of theories and and I think it's a fantastic opportunity to um yeah to to get so much more from from a, a physician such as yourself normally you just go in and get your 15 minutes and and then you're like oh I wish I should have asked this or that but um to to continue that dialogue um, and for you to to impact and affect other people yeah around the world I think that's it's fantastic so yeah you're doing a a great a great job Megan really appreciate the support but particularly appreciate the opportunity to chat to you today I think your perspective as as someone who's young with this problem is so, so important. And I think heartening to people who are out there who are wanting to continue to pursue uh, active, aggressive care and uh, being integrated into their, into their daily life. So thank you for your time, your insights, your, your thoughts. It's really, really valuable. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Been a great privilege to talk to someone who's so young, who's experiencing this disease and the positive attitude that they're taking towards its ongoing management. I'm hoping that that's helpful for you, particularly as you balance the long-lasting interest that you might have and oftentimes a challenging diagnosis that you take and get disheartened, dispirited and isolated from. So hopefully take Megan's words as inspiration and an opportunity to rebalance and refocus on the things that you do enjoy, the things that you do love and the fact that typically if you give your joints an opportunity to do so, they can tolerate increased load. So stay positive, stay active, take that first step. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.jointaction.info. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. The information posted on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Anyone seeking medical advice should consult a health professional. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 